0: All the early birds, um, as you can see, um, it's great to see a um, crowd here for this service and uh, we'll see who shows up, <laughs> hopefully somebody will, for the for the next one. But as you can see, it does create um, some space and I would love us just um, to take um, a kind of corporate responsibility and ownership as the community of together to um, pray in that the Lord would fill the space, Yeah. Uh, look at those uh, just blank chairs around you now, and some of them have to be because we're distancing, but the ones that um, don't have X's on them, why don't we um, maybe just take a moment, can I do that? we we'll just take a moment, I'm going to pray, and uh, maybe even you want to think in your own mind about people that you could invite, or people in our community that we want to bring uh, to the kingdom family so that they can know something of the beauty of it. Lord, I, I just thank you for this morning, and while uh, practically it takes us a little bit of time to adjust to Change and uh, growth and developments and stuff like that, Lord. Um, We just really want to pray, Lord, first and foremost, that you would come and fill the spaces, Lord, in between us, Lord. We want to, um, in the right way, be made even more uncomfortable when it comes to inviting people in, Lord, opening up our hearts to other people who can have a seat at the table, God, and know something of your love and be formed in the family of God. So we just uh, we speak that welcome in the spirit into our community, Lord, uh, to, uh, to come to the table and to be part of the feast of the kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. It's great to um, continue our advanced series this morning. We've been, as you know, pushing in. I still haven't got, like, my right. I still haven't got this right yet, you know. <laughs> getting blinded but I, I will get it right all right and uh, over the next few weeks hopefully you can see me. Um, it's We're looking at this advanced theme but we're specifically looking at um, the idea of the kingdom of God within that and as you hopefully know by now the favorite topic that Jesus talked about when he was on the earth was the topic of the kingdom of God. He came to tell us the good news that Jesus and um, that God was still for us that the kingdom was coming amongst us. He came to inaugurate, we use that word, inaugurate his kingdom, set up and establish his kingdom and um, come against the kingdom of darkness and sin and establish a new creation and re-establish the rule and reign of God on the earth and uh, start the process of making all things new of which creation, as Chris has alluded to there, is one of the big parts of Um But like Jesus, like God has always wanted to, he wanted partners within that. He wanted the ones that he created in his image to share in his dream for the world. And so when Jesus came on to the earth, it's no wonder then that he said, come and follow me uh, because I want to teach you a new way of thinking about the world. I want to show you what life on this world is really supposed to be about. And so Jesus needed to train his followers in the nature of the kingdom, right? And so when we get into Matthew chapter 13, which we have been doing over the last couple of weeks, what's going on there is Jesus is beginning to train his disciples in the way of the kingdom. He wants us to notice how we should observe it, how we should understand it, how we should perceive it, how our hearts should be postured to receive it. Um, Because... Because it's f- totally different the way the, the way the world works. We need to have our minds and our hearts and our spirits ch- changed and trained in the way of the kingdom. Jesus said in John chapter 7: 3, I think it is actually, He says, I say unto you, uh, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can you, you see the kingdom of God, but it's a different way of seeing. You need to have your eyes touched, you need to have your eyes cleaned up. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to touch your eyes so that you can see the kingdom. And uh, when we're born of the Spirit, the Spirit starts to train us to see the ways of the kingdom and the things of the kingdom. It's not something you don't learn the kingdom at school. You don't learn the kingdom necessarily at university. You don't learn the kingdom just by becoming an intelligent person. You learn the kingdom by being a person of the Spirit because unless you're born of the Spirit, you can't see the kingdom. And, uh, and so we need help to do this, to perceive reality. It's the currency of how things work in God's world. It's a different way of living, a different way of, uh, it's a whole different value set, a whole different set of motives. And so one of the main ways that Jesus taught his disciples how to do this was through stories. Isn't that great? Like, it's always a real challenge to me as a preacher. Because Jesus just, like, most of the time, he did do, like, sort of preaches and teaches, Sermon on the Mount. So, but, but he just, like, even in that, he just used stories, didn't he, to kind of shake us out of the normal way that we would think in order to train our minds to think in a different way. And so Jesus told these short, ficti- fictitious yeah. <laughs> yeah, stories and, and parables to help get our minds inside another way of, of thinking. And so Matthew 13 is another one of those, or is full of those, sorry, and we're going to look at another one this morning. But I am going to recap a bit in the first two because they really help us. But let's look at the one on the screen we're going to look at this morning first, okay? So I see there's a technique to this. That's not the verse. There we go, yeah. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told him still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. That a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour. Until it worked all the way through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So it was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. I'm going to explore this parable of the mustard seed right so that first slide said that it was the smallest of all the herbs but it grew to become one of the greatest trees in the garden okay and we're going to look at that in a moment but before I just get into that parable I just want to recap because it really it's really important I think and just in studying this this week it's really helped me actually to think about how the parable of the mustard seed comes in line with the other two parables that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks. So quick recap was, when Matthew chapter 13 started, the first parable, which Jesus said, unless you get this, you won't get any of the other parables, is Matthew chapter Thirteen, verse one, and he starts to tell us about the parable of the sower. I spoke about that a few weeks ago. So this guy goes out to sow seed, and as he sows seed, it's the seed of the kingdom, and uh, it's the seed of the gospel—the seed that represents the promises of God. Uh, I think this is on the screen. We um, and there's a seed. There, seeds in the biblical metaphor or in the biblical story are a metaphor for how the dreams and purposes of God are carried throughout history. Right. And so God and Jesus talked a lot about seeds and plants, and they form a picture... Like another, like, are in all his parables of the dreams and the purposes of God. And so, what we learned in the first parable of the sower was that while Jesus comes to sow this seed, to fulfill this all these promises, and in some ways, Jesus' own life is, is the seed, the gospel that he is embodying in his own life. As he sows that seed, there's different responses that we're going to get. We're going to get the good soil, which will bring forth fruit 30 fold, 64th, 100 fold, but we're going to get we're going to get when the seed falls on the stony ground. People aren't the birds of the earth going to come and steal that. Then it's going to fall on ground that's going to grow a little bit. And then the curs of the world come and the sufferings of the world come and it like rocks, it snuffs out the life. And then the deceitfulness of riches and wealth and things like that are like the thorns and thistles which actually choke the life of the good seed. But in it all, the seed is still good, the seed carries the message of good news. And so Jesus loved to talk about these seeds. And the reason I want to talk and remind you about what and how good this seed is is because it's the same seed, I believe, when we talk about the mustard seed. It's the the seed of good news. It's the seed of new creation we talked about. It's the the seed of imperishable hope. And it's the seed of supernatural fruitfulness, right? It carries the seeds, and the, the seed carries the purposes and promises of God. And so when Jesus came... Uh, he saw himself as the fulfillment of all of these promises of God that uh, we read about in the Old Testament. And when Jesus came, he saw himself as the fulfillment of this great big story. And through his life and his death, he was going to release us from the bondage of sin and darkness so that we could receive this seed into our hearts and it could take root. And the seed of new creation, the seed of imperishable hope, the seed of supernatural fruitfulness could rest in our hearts. That's this parable of the sower. And this is the seed that we get to sow. But then Debbie reminded us last week that Jesus' next parable is about the parable of the wheat and the tares. That when Jesus has fulfilled this promise and allowed the very life, his very life to take root in our hearts, and while his kingdom has come into our hearts and while his kingdom has come into the world, we were reminded last week that... In the second story in Matthew chapter 13, while we understand the victory of Jesus and we lean towards it, we still haven't seen the full consummation of that victory. We're still waiting because the terrors, the presence of evil, continues to exist in the world in which we live, where the kingdom has already come. And, um, and it's only in the end when that evil will be fully removed. And so we have to learn how to live passionate about the kingdom of God coming, We have to learn how to live. I believe trying to almost push the kingdom of darkness further and further into the corner because we want to advance. But we still find ourselves on days asking big questions. Why does this happen? How can this happen? And this is why these parables are really, really important because they give us a framework for life on this earth. It's not fanciful. It's not superficial. We deal with stuff. I have been so aware this week in my own life. Uh, and with the, in the life of many friends, I, I just feel lots of friends at the moment that are really suffering. You know, I have a church church leader friend in 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 England, and um, her and her husband who lead the churches, and they they lost their twelve year old daughter from a brain tumor this this week. You know, the wheat and the turs and they couldn't have had more faith. They couldn't have prayed in the kingdom more. They couldn't have had more people praying for it. And on Tuesday, she went to be with Jesus. And, you know, you're asking those kind of big questions. I've, I've been aware of other things this week. I'm aware of the terrors that are growing amongst us. And, um, and it's hard. But these parables give us a framework for life in this world, knowing that actually one day that will be fully removed, as that we brought out last week. And so why I'm saying that, because the parable of the wheat and the terrors, as we've looked at, helps us to develop a kind of patience For living in a world where there is still a presence of evil. Because it helps us realize we will always live in a world. And I want you to hear this. We will always live in a world where there are systems. And therefore people, because the systems influence people, even though they're not our enemy. It's not flesh and blood. But there are systems and people who will not, as long as we live in this world, acknowledge Jesus as Lord. They'll always be there. And so we need to work out how do we live passionate about the kingdom coming in a world surrounded by people who will not acknowledge Jesus as Lord, who don't, don't see Jesus as king, and therefore they can't see the kingdom. And as long as we live in this world, we'll experience that and become aware of that. But those who have come under the rule of King Jesus, those who have submitted their heart to the lordship of King Jesus, are formed in the community of the kingdom. Right? They're being formed in the community of the king, empowered, equipped, and graced by the person of the Holy Spirit. We have learned and we are learning to live in such a world. So we have to work out how do we hunger and thirst, how do we become uncompromising in our passion and desire to see the kingdom break in, while at the same time become aware and be patient in the midst of us. And this is where the parable of the mustard seed really really helps us because the parable of the mustard seed teaches us how do we be patient in a world in which there are wheat and there are tares. how do we live how do we watch the kingdom break in and flourish in the world in which we live Stanley Harowitz says the parables that follow the parable of the sower and the parable of the wheat and the tares serve as commentaries on the way disciples must endure in a world that refuses to acknowledge its nature in other words with the sower, where we see all the different responses that you're going to get to the gospel, even in, a, you know, first and foremost, we always want to start in our own hearts. And with the wheat and the tares, right? These serve as a kind of commentary to the parables that come after build into that kind of framework where we realize that there are going to be people in the world that are not going to acknowledge the true nature of the world under the Lordship of Jesus. And so, what I want to think about just this morning is four quick things that the mustard seed parable, we'll look at Levin a little bit more next week, but the, how the mustard seed parable helps us understand the nature of living life in the kingdom of God. So let me say four things about the parable of the mustard seed. Let me just paraphrase it again so you've got it. You understand it, don't you, that, that Jesus said the parable the kingdom of God is like a parable of a... That Jesus said the, the parable of the mustard seed is like a little seed, the smallest of all the seeds, Right? and when it is planted it grows and it becomes the greatest of all the herbs in the tree and the birds of the air come and make their home within it. So let me say something about each of these. First of all, first and foremost, yeah. What we learn about the parable of the mustard seed about living life in this world understanding what the kingdom is and how it makes its way through the world. First of all, the seemingly insignificant is significant, right? Just imagine this, it's the smallest of all the herbs sometimes the kingdom of god and all the potential comes with it that comes with it is looks very small looks very insignificant and can even look really unimpressive a mustard seed jesus wants us to become aware that in the kingdom of god the big is in the small very often the potential of the kingdom is contained in things that from the outside appearance don't look that familiar. There's something about the small acts, the hidden acts, the small things that the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, is like. And so what looks insignificant to you can often, and to me, can often be the very thing that's carrying that, that power of new creation, of imperishable hope, of supernatural fruitfulness. I love the words of Mother Teresa came to me this week when I was preparing this. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Yeah? Yeah. Some of us might never be on a stage. We might never you know, be known for all the works we do. But we, if I got you to close your eyes now and think about people who have impacted your life, you would start to think of people that are never necessarily going to be getting um, Oscars or whatever it might be, but hit, hidden secret acts carry the power of the kingdom of God Jesus of course could have been talking about his own ministry at this point you know he you know we obviously know this 2000 years later the impact that Jesus has had in the world but at that particular time like he's just a Jewish carpenter really in many people's eyes in the backwaters of the Roman Empire yes he's got some crowds following him because he's done amazing kind of miracles but the Romans aren't that worried about him you know, they're, they're not thinking he's much of a threat to their empire. It's just like a little mustard seed in, 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 in the world's eyes. It, it, it's meaningless. It's insignificant. It'll go away quickly. <laughs> and yet, um, we know the story, really, don't we? And, and we know the backstory as well. If we were go back through the Old Testament, we would realize that it is the things that are despised by the world, women and children, often became the carriers of the seed of promise. Yeah, The in, in, in a in a patriarchal society where they were not valued, the Bible did, yeah. Even even the men God chose, they weren't the rich and the famous. There were people like Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob, just ran, randomers in some ways, you know, regular people. But they were significant in the eyes of God. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. What looks like insignificant often is carrying real significance. The prophets told us, "Do not despise the day of small things," yeah. Um, David, and David's a great example, isn't it? Where everybody else thinks we'll pick, or when Samuel comes to to anoint the new king, we'll line up all his brothers and look at all the ones that look significant, but actually it's the one that's out in the fields. It's just like looking after the sheep. You'll go and get him, bring him in, and realize that something that looks insignificant, that's the one who's carrying the anointing of God and the plan and the promises of God. And then we look at Jesus the fulfillment of the story, as I've said, and we look at a manger surrounded by animals and his refugee parents. (laughs) And we think, mustard seed. Surely in the the back streets of some little village where he can't even get a place to lie, a place in a hotel or an inn, and and there the savior of the world is born. It's mustard seed's faith, isn't it? But it changes the world. The Jews were hoping for a kingdom that was going to come in all its glory. They were looking for a new real, rule and reign of Yahweh that was going to come and obliterate the Romans and set up this great new empire. And so then Jesus says, well, actually the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Like It, it must have been a bit of a blow to their idealism, wasn't it? To the, their kind of, the projection of their own egos. And Jesus said, guys, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It actually doesn't look that impressive sometimes. And it seems really insignificant. But we all know the story. And see, the part of the problem is, I was thinking about this this week as I was reading and listening to some other stuff, like we are programmed, aren't we? We're programmed for everything to be amazing. Everything has to be amazing. Uh, You know, even the amount of times we use the word amazing in church, you know, to describe things, everything has to be amazing. If it isn't amazing, then we don't really give it our time or attention or our money. And yet, Jesus uses like the stuff of the earth, these really normal, natural kind of metaphors to say the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Seeds don't look amazing, but they can carry the kingdom of God. People in our community who don't look amazing are precious souls that Jesus wants to place that mustard seed within that potentially are already carrying the seed of God. Sometimes what looks insignificant is actually deeply significant. The mustard seed parable reminds us of the implicit, almost imperceptible way that the kingdom moves through the earth, slowly but surely, (laughs) leavening the lump as to use the other parable, slowly but surely influencing the world with its kingdom, with the power of its kingdom. The second one, patient endurance is needed. The mustard seed parable reminds us that So so I I want you to get what I'm trying to say here and what I think this... these flow of scriptures are trying to say this the seed is good and the seed contains just because it's a small seed doesn't mean it doesn't carry the power of everything we talked about when we, when we talked about the parable of the sower and the seed, it is the seed of new creation. It is the seed of imperishable hope. It is the seed of supernatural abundance and, and fruitfulness, right? But it just looks sometimes not like you would expect it to look. It looks small. And so when we plant that patient endurance is needed for it to grow when it grows, it says, it will become. <clears throat> and so patient endurance is needed to see what something can become. Those of you who have parented kids right up into adulthood, you, you know what, what it's like, don't you, to kind of believe in the tree that it could become? But you know it's just not going to get there overnight. You know it's going to need to be nurtured, and it's going to need to be watered, and it's going to need to be loved. But you never hold back on that dream for what it could become. Sure you don't, because it's, it's life. And you watch it become, hopefully, a tree that others can come and find refuge in. It takes patient endurance to see the kingdom come in a world of wheat and tares. It takes patient endurance. We don't always see the quick results we want to see. But it doesn't mean the kingdom isn't still moving. It's just a different way of seeing and this is why you need to train yourself. That's why we need to submit our hearts by the Spirit of the Word of God because we we'll have to train ourselves to see in a different way. It's a different way of measuring. The seed is still growing. It just doesn't get measured in the same way that we measure. We measure things by how quick it's going to be to get through the drive through at McDonald's or Starbucks or wherever it may be. That's how we measure, isn't it, in the world in which we live in today. Maybe maybe not um, You know, McDonald's for those of you who are like, proper about your eating and all that, right? But whatever it might be, right? You know, we, that's how we measure things. How quickly we can get something that we ordered on the internet. You know, whether we should pay the $2.99 extra to get it the next day or wait for, you know what I mean? that That's the way our world works. The parable of the mustard seed flips all that, doesn't it? To say we need like this patient endurance to see the kingdom grow. When it comes to the kingdom, we have to understand things through the lens of uh, seed, not the lens of speed. Mark Sayers says this really well, I think. We are trained to see things through the lens of speed. Jesus saw things through the lens of seed. It's a totally different way of seeing. But we have to train ourselves. We have to retrain ourselves to think about the kingdom in a different way, a different time frame, a different paradigm when we see everything through the lens of seed. The mustard seed parable helps us understand how God works his way through the world in the presence of weeds. Patient endurance is needed, like, like all kind of, um, uh, kind of studies in botany will tell you, or gardening, you know, like it needs time. Seeds need time to, to grow. And see, and church history will testify to the fact that when we try to force our opinion on others, when we try to force the kingdom, it doesn't go well. Like, you could talk about the Crusades, you could talk about Constantine, you could talk about about this country in lots of different ways in its history. And we're living in a moment, right, where people want to force their opinion. Now, we've just had a week where news has been released, and people now want to force their opinion of how, what the kingdom looks like. People want to attach their opinion of COVID or vaccine passports or any of those kind of things. Whatever you think about them, whether you're on one side or the other, people we're living in a world and in a social media world where people want to force that, and the kingdom never works when you force it on anyone. We need patient endurance to allow the kingdom to come, not my opinion. Jesus never did anything by just stating his opinion. Jesus never never tried to achieve anything by winning arguments. He trusted the slow work of the love and the sacrificial love of God to work its way through. Yeah? Amen? Brilliant. Third, just the last two quickly, the seed can still contains the potential for exponential growth. And so, uh, so it's almost, it nearly seems contradictory, but it's not. So we need to, have patient endurance, but we need to not also lose hope that with this seed comes exponential growth. This small little mustard seed, the smallest, remember, the smallest of all the seeds in the garden became one of the greatest trees in the garden, right? More than what the seed looks like it could provide or produce. It's part of the DNA. It's still the same seed. It's still the same blessing seed that God gave Abraham. Remember when we did this a couple of weeks ago, that you're going to be blessed to be a blessing to your family, and so through your family, all the nations. It's in the DNA of the kingdom seed is exponential growth. In the DNA of the kingdom seed is the power to move um, the presence of God to the ends of the earth. Even the very smallest seeds produce fruit, and the fruit produces seeds, and the seeds produce fruit, and the fruit produces seeds, and the multiplier effect kicks in. It's really helpful to know that the Greek word for seed is two different words. One is Uh, sperma, where we get the word sperm from, which for some reason I don't want to talk about in church, right? And then then the other word is spora, right? Spora is the other word for seed in the New Testament. And when you put, so uh, those of you who maybe can think these things through in like good English or whatever, when you use the word diaspora, diaspora, spora being the word for seed, and so when you talk about like the Irish diaspora that are spread all over the all over the world, or the Jewish back in those days, the Jewish diaspora people who are from a country but are spread all over the world. When you think about the fact that this is how the gospel spread, so the diaspora, the word diaspora means a scattering or a spreading of seeds. That's what it literally means. And so you put that in the context of how the gospel moved when the Jews moves throughout the world. The Jewish diaspora, they set up synagogues. And so when Paul goes to preach, where does he go first? He goes to these places where the seeds of the story had already been planted in different places, and then all of a sudden, the gospel has got these highways in which it can move quick, and it can accelerate, and the seed can spread, and we can see the kingdom of God come, and we see this little mustard seed that happened with this Jewish carpenter's son in the backwaters of the Roman Empire, all of a sudden is becoming a great tree, where lots of people are finding a comfort in. The diaspora looks like the refugees who are spreading the Word of God all around the world. It was amazing. At our corporate prayer meeting the other night, and Chris was interviewing one of the guys, um, uh, Bruno, I think it was, and and Stephen Smith. And We we became aware that um, even within the Roma community, I think it was, um, they, they, they lived through the revival in those parts of the world that they came from in the 90s, and they've come to this country, and they're praying for us, that God would do something in us. Why? Because they might look insignificant when... They're on our streets and they're in our shops and they look really poor and all of that kind of thing. But some of them are actually carrying the seed of revival from their from, from, from their country and they've come here to pray it. What looks insignificant in our world's eyes actually can be carrying the hope of the kingdom. And the, the hope of the kingdom carries the potential for exponential growth. Rodney Stark says in his book about the rise of Christianity, in Ed 200 AD, there was 1% of the Greek Greco-Roman world was Christian, 1%, which is actually Christian quite big in those days, but by AD 300, 17% of the Greco-Roman world was Christian, and by AD 400, uh, for different reasons, uh, not all good, but it was it was up closer to 80, 90, 100%. Why? Because the kingdom of God looks like a mustard seed, and but with the patient endurance that's needed and the right conditions that are needed around it, it will always bring exponential growth. And so let me finish with this fourth one. The growth is always others oriented others It becomes, the mustard seed grows to become a great tree so that the birds of the earth, it says, could come and find their nest in it. And the birds of the air in this parable probably has... Um, cross-references some passages in the Old Testament where there was prophecies around trees and around birds coming to nest in the trees, but they were almost seen as alien birds, which indicated the fact that these were Gentiles, which means that they weren't Jews, which means that the people that were going to come and nest in the branches didn't look like them. (laughs) They They were different than them, and yet... If they could embrace the true essence of the seed, of the kingdom seed, they would realize that it was going to be planted in and through them in such a way that the birds of the earth, the nations, would come and find their hope and their comfort in it. And what if God has called us here? I was out for a walk last night, and I walked past um, my Uncle Philip's house, old house where the church started people and i was thinking about his praying for it this morning and remembered again you know the kingdom of god like a like a mustard seed and e- even our own little story here you know yeah you know of of, of planting here a, a, a mustard seed of faith well, what would it look like if with patient endurance with conviction <laughs> that that this seed carries the potential for exponential growth with a training in our hearts and minds to look at things that look insignificant in the world and see the potential, what would it look like if God would entrust us then to become a, a tree, a tree where others that don't look like us, that don't smell like us, that don't, you know, come from the same background, what would it look like if others then begin to find home to build nests in the tree that God has entrusted us to become? And so I want us to pray now and to think about, just for a moment, how God wants to stir up in our hearts, first and foremost, how he wants to retrain our minds to see the kingdom. But, but secondly, I guess I also just wanted to say, I think that there might be some people in here this morning who have allowed some of the seeds of the kingdom to go dormant in your life and um, because you felt they were insignificant. And, uh, And Jesus says, no, no, I want you to think about that again because I want you to take the mustard seed that I've placed in your heart, the dream that I have given you to carry my love and my purposes and plans in the world and I want to plant that in the soil of your heart again in a way that you can tend to and that you can have the peace and endurance to watch it become something that others can find their rest in and their home in. And so I I want to pray for you this morning. There was a, the oldest, I'll finish this and then we're we're really done. The oldest mature seed that has ever been found was apparently found 2,000 years ago. It's 2,000 years old, sorry. And it was found in Herod the Great's palace it was, so they found it in 1995. Sorry, two th- yeah, 2005 they found it. So the Rebellion was over 2,000 years old, round about the time of Jesus. They found this, this seed in his palace. It had been preserved in a cool, dry place, right? And um, not by freezing it, but just by being preserved in a cool and dry place. And in 2005 they found it and they replanted it and it germinated. And it's called the Judean date palm. Not because the seed was dead, but because the seed was dormant; it hadn't been planted properly. Just a little seed, yeah. and uh, you see, seeds seeds can uh, seeds don't go at the lens of speed. <laughs> They're transported through time, and the seed that was planted in Abram's heart, six, seven, whatever it might be, a thousand years ago, became a great tree, fulfilled in Jesus still lives on today and we get to carry that seed and and we get to carry the seeds of the kingdom of feeling insignificant, but ones that god has called us to nurture and to steward well and so i'd love to pray that for you why don't we just close our eyes as we uh, as we close off come holy spirit thank you lord thank you Lord. Thank you, Jesus. First and foremost, I just want to come to you and ask you to help us as a church, Lord, family, to understand the ways of the kingdom. Lord, would you help us to be born again, again today? (laughs) In a sense, Lord, too. Because only when we're born again can we see the kingdom of God. And Lord, we want to see the kingdom. Give us eyes to perceive the kingdom. Give us eyes to receive the kingdom into our hearts. Um, give us hearts that are ready to be good, so to receive it. And Lord, as we as we go through, Lord, many of us in this place today, as we go through the, the ups and downs of life, um, Lord, as we're aware of the wheat and the terrors that we live in and amongst, we ask you, Lord, to increase the hope, O God, of your kingdom in our hearts right now. And Father, that we would become aware of the patient endurance that is needed to see your kingdom and the truth of your kingdom make its way through this world to grow, to become a tree that others can find home and refuge in. And so, Lord, I I pray for that into our own hearts personally and over us as a church family. And, Lord, I just want to pray finally for those of us who feel like we have carried seeds of your kingdom, dreams of your heart that have lay dormant and today as I speak and as you speak Lord more importantly Lord as you speak to hearts I, I want to pray God that you would just stir up Lord those dreams in our hearts again stir up Lord those things that I feel like they've been too insignificant for us to do anything with stir them up again in our hearts oh God cause us to be um, Lord good stewards of what you've given us the part of your heart that you've shared with us and help us to put them in good soil to see your kingdom come. I ask this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. 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 Good stuff. The Lord bless you. Um, we're, we're finished now. Um, we obviously have uh, a bit of an overlap here, so there's no rush away. Um, we'll see uh, who shows up. Uh, 11 o'clock. If you'd like us to pray for you or chat to you about anything, we'd obviously love to do that if anything's been stirred there. But for those of you who have uh, kids and stuff, it'd be great to go and get them. You can bring them back down if you'd like to connect with other people. That'd be great. But um, And then we'll see you next week. Alright? Have a great week. God bless you.